friends, it's November 25th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide Podcast. I'm your host, David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and it is good to be back east and hopefully to have more new friends joining us on our Bible reading excursions from the Pacific Northwest as we are just returning from there. Each day we look forward to traveling further up and further in, taking in the grand vista, overlooking the entire span on God's redemptive history provided by all 66 books of the Bible. We learn about the creation, the fall, and the redemption of humankind, and ultimately the full restoration provided in God's plan of salvation centered in His Son. Today we are starting a new book in the Old Testament. This is the 27th book of the Old Testament, the book of Daniel. Daniel is exiled to Babylon and writes to encourage the exiles there and those left behind in Jerusalem during the Babylonian captivity under Nebuchadnezzar and continuing unto the time of Darius of Persia. Daniel reminds us that the kingdoms of this world rise and fall, but the kingdom of God is everlasting. In the New Testament, we will continue to read from Peter's first epistle, where we are in the third chapter. And of course, we will make our stops in the book of Psalms and Proverbs before the day is done. So let's get started with our reading from the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 1, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Daniel taken to Babylon. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace, and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate, and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names, Daniel he called Belteshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who assigned your food and your drink, for why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the ewes who eat the king's food be observed by you, and deal with your servants according to what you see. 
So he listened to them in this matter, and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink, and gave them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skills in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. Chapter 2 Nebuchadnezzar's Dream In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time, because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation." The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand, for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. But Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel, and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, 
and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God for ever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I will give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. This concludes our reading from today's portion from the Old Testament from the book of Daniel. Now let's take a few moments to reflect upon what we just read. As we dive into the book of Daniel, it is helpful to get a general overview of the book and how it is structured. Daniel was taken captive to Babylon in September of 605 B.C. during the first year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. The king of Babylon besieged Jerusalem and made Judah his vassal state. He took Jerusalem's wisest men and most beautiful women to Babylon. Daniel had grown up during Josiah's reign and had probably heard Jeremiah's preaching because he references it in Daniel chapter 9 verse 2. I, Daniel, understood from the books according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet that the number of years for the desolation of Jerusalem would be seventy. Daniel chapter 9, verse 2. In Babylon, Daniel and the promising young adults who came with him were given a special reconditioning program immersing them in the ways of Babylon. This program was designed to cause them to forget their Hebrew customs and history. Daniel credits God for giving him favor when he asks that he and his three friends be excused from eating the king's choice food and wine. He asked that they be free to eat vegetables and drink water instead. We are told that at the end of ten days, Daniel and his Hebrew friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, looked better nourished than those who were eating the king's regimen. Daniel's name means, God is my judge in Hebrew. In Babylon, it was changed to Belteshazzar, meaning Bel, protect the life of the king. Bel was the name of the principal Babylonian deity, also called Marduk. Hananiah means, the Lord shows grace. His name was changed to Shadrach, which means, under the command of Aku, the moon god. Mishael means, who is like God, in Hebrew. He is given the new name, Meshach probably meaning, who is like Aku. Azariah means, the Lord helps. His new name, Abednego, means servant of Nego, or Nebo, or Nabu, the god of learning and writing. The Babylonian captors wanted to have these Hebrew captives forget their ancestral history and their god, and adopt the Babylonian worship system. It wasn't long before Daniel began to distinguish himself in the court of Nebuchadnezzar. He was able to meet the king's hard demand to tell him what he had been dreaming and what it meant. He was required to tell the dream as well as give the interpretation. This request was a step beyond traditional dream interpretation, and it was more than what the king's magicians could handle. However, 
God granted Daniel the revelation. In Daniel chapter 2, verses 20 to 23, Daniel praises God's sovereignty and acknowledges that he is the one who reveals the hidden and profound things. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and power. Even now you have made known to me what we have requested of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Daniel chapter 2, verse 23. And we look forward to reading about the dream interpretation tomorrow. Our next stop on our Bible reading tour in the New Testament is Peter's first epistle, chapter 3, verse 8, and we will read through to chapter 4, verse 6, suffering for righteousness' sake. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are opened to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who is there to harm you, if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered, once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Chapter 4. Stewards of God's Grace Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, 
that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the Spirit the way God does. And this concludes our reading from the New Testament from Peter's first epistle. Peter emphasizes how Christians should behave when facing intimidation, controversy, and persecution. Our Christ-like attitude is paramount. We are to sanctify Christ as Lord in our hearts. That means we are to set Him apart as holy in a category all by Himself, that He is Lord and He is to have the preeminence in all things. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 To sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. He quotes Psalm 34, verses 14 through 16, which encourages us to pursue peace by holding our tongues when tempted to do evil with it. Our first resort is to pray for our persecutors in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12. Peter gives us a great reminder to our need to have Christ on the throne of our hearts and the gospel on the tip of our tongues. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. And keep a good conscience, so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. The one-year Bible companion has this summary of interpretations of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18-20. through 20. Quote, The meaning of these verses is not completely clear, and commentators have explained it in different ways. The traditional interpretation is that Christ, between His death and resurrection, announced salvation to God's faithful followers who had been waiting for their salvation during the whole Old Testament era. Matthew records that when Jesus died, the bodies of many holy people who had died previously were raised to life. They came out of their tombs, and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. Matthew chapter 27, verses 52 and 53. A few commentators think that this passage says that the Spirit of Christ, or the Holy Spirit, was in Noah as Noah preached to those imprisoned by sin, but now in Hades. Still others hold that Christ went to Hades to proclaim His victory and final condemnation to the fallen angels imprisoned there since Noah's day, as referred to in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. End quote. The first paragraphs of chapter 4 reminds us that believers need to maintain a mindset of identification with Christ. Because Jesus suffered the hostility of the world, so will we. But our identification with Christ also means that we share His victory as overcoming the world. From God's point of view, we were crucified with Christ. Therefore, we should reckon on that fact. We are dead to the world and alive unto God. We are no longer obligated to act as slaves to the old nature with its sinful desires, but we are new creatures serving the Lord our righteousness in the power of His resurrection life through the Spirit. Have you armed yourself with this new mindset? Do you see yourself as crucified with Christ? Do you reckon yourself as dead to the world with its passions and lusts? Marvel not if you are facing the opposition of the corrupt world system. Endure the conflict as a good soldier. 
Don't be dismayed by the animosity of the fallen world, the temptations of the flesh, and the accusations of the devil. As a new creature, in a faith union with Christ, you are crucified to the world, and the world is crucified unto you. We are done with serving the sin nature. As Christians, we are alive with a new life to do the will of God. We no longer dance to this world's tune. And at the day of judgment, it will be obvious that we had no alliance with this culture of death, but that we served and will continue to serve the eternal King, the Lord of life. Verse 6 refers to the gospel being preached to those who are dead. There are various interpretations here, but the context makes clear that at the day of judgment, those who have suffered the hostilities of an unbelieving corrupt world system and been judged as dead to the world's beckoning, even perhaps being put to physical death, it will be proved that they were living by the deathless Spirit of Christ in accordance with the will of God. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 6 For the gospel has for this purpose been preached even to those who are dead, that though they are judged in the flesh as men, they may live in the Spirit according to the will of God. Now let's move on to our next stop in our Bible reading tour, to the book of Psalms, where we continue to read this magnificent psalm that celebrates the Word of God. The next eight verses begin with the Hebrew letter Teth. Verse 65. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The insolent smear me with lies, but with my whole heart I keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. The next eight verses begin with the Hebrew letter Yod. Your hands have made and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Those who fear you shall see me and rejoice, because I have hoped in your word. I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous, and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Let your steadfast love comfort me, according to your promise to your servant. Let your mercy come to me, that I may live, for your law is my delight. Let the insolent be put to shame, because they have wronged me with falsehood. As for me, I will meditate on your precepts. Let those who fear you turn to me, that they may know your testimonies. May my heart be blameless in your statutes, that I may not be put to shame. Here is a relevant prayer request we should all make. Teach me good judgment and discernment, for I rely on your commands. Psalm 119, verse 66. You may remember verse 67 from our first reading of this psalm. God is faithful to discipline us to get us back on the right path. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. And in verse 71 we read, It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. And then in verse 75 we read, I know, O Lord, that your judgments are righteous, and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. May we be known among our peers as those who wait upon the word of God. 
May those who fear you see me and be glad, because I wait for your word. In verse 74. And now for our final stop in our Bible reading tour, we go to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 14. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. This warning is given throughout the Old and New Testaments. Harden not your heart. May we be forever receptive to God's word with hearing hearts. I trust that our hearts have been softened by hearing God's word today. Let's go before the Lord in the light of what we have just read as we conclude our Bible reading excursion today. Lord, it is our prayer that you teach us good judgment and discernment. You heard the prayer of Daniel as he called out to you as a stranger in a strange land. Cause us to feed on that which will nourish our souls rather than on the deceitful delicacies of this world. We choose to set apart Christ as Lord in our hearts, trusting that His mind will be in us so we can readily give a reason for the hope that we have and do it with gentleness and respect. Help us to walk in peace as we proclaim the truth. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, I hope that you are excited about reading the book of Daniel and that you are encouraged to arm yourself with the mind of Christ and be ready to do battle today in the victory that's been given to us in Christ. If you have any questions or comments, you can write to us at podcast at newlife.org. Also, we want to remind you that each day we pray for a different country around the world. Today, you will see if you have a written copy of our commentary, we are praying for the country of Turkey that country which was once home to the seven churches that the Apostle John wrote about in the book of Revelation. You can subscribe to that email and get a written copy by going to our website, newlife.org. And also, we encourage you, if you are living in the greater Boston area, that you can purchase tickets to see the adaptation of John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, our musical Celestial City. And it certainly is a great way to bring people under the sound of the gospel in a culturally engaging way. So until next time, may the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with us all. Shalom.